This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Happy Thursday and Bump. I have some NFL head coaching news to get the show started. Are you ready for it? Stay ready so I ain't got to get ready. Exactly. Unfortunately, it's not a Seahawks hire. As we know, they're early in their process. But Dave Canales, a former Seahawks coach, has been hired on as head coach of the Panthers. And as you know, yesterday it was announced that Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. No surprise to take over as head coach of the Chargers. Which hire, uh, before we kind of dive into what it means for Seattle in the um, kind of ripple effect of this coaching carousel move, which hire are you most intrigued by? Um. Great way to start the show. Thank you. Because I'm intrigued by both, but I'll let you know who after this, right? You look at Jim Harbaugh. We all assumed he was going to L.A. to the Chargers, right? You got a quarterback over there. Um, that roster needs some work, though. People look at the roster as it stands right now and say, oh, they're good to go. Mm-mm. Lots of money there. Guys are getting older. Decisions will be have mm-hmm. to be made next year. Now I look at Canales and his situation with the Carolina Panthers. I go, look, man, Canales has done a great job with Geno, did a great job with Baker Mayfield. Let's not forget he was the quarterback coach as well with Russell Wilson over there. He knows what it takes to develop a quarterback or to help them out and now you're going over to the Carolina Panthers where they need a lot of help I was not surprised by the Canales hire because I felt like he was qualified but I thought that the Carolina Panthers would go a different route somebody who is maybe already had a head coach job already who's been a coordinator for more than one year so I ain't hey but big ups to Canales you have a lot to work to do over there um so I would say out of the two, um, that's more intriguing Intriguing to me. It's got to be Harbaugh. It's got to be Harbaugh. I just want to see what he can do. He wins everywhere he goes. Can you win here? Well, and that's the big question for me because the Chargers, to me, are such an unlucky team. And they're also a team, like you pointed out rightfully, with some major flaws. You look at Justin Herbert and you think, oh, my God, he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Think of what Harbaugh can do with this guy. He might be the best quarterback he's had since Andrew Luck. You would argue, you know, potentially even better. But... He's got one of the oldest wide receiver groups in the league. A lot of those guys are going to have to be replaced. Well, not replaced, but they also had a rookie who isn't working out for them. So um, they've got some big problems to solve. You're exactly right. And I think that it'll be interesting to watch a franchise that has some holes, that's been struggling, that's unlucky, with a guy who's always found success. Which side is going to win out? Is is the Chargers, uh, as an organization, going to continue to just feel cursed? Or is Harbaugh going to come in and work some of that Harbaugh magic and and take them to the promised land who knows um but what this also means is that now just atlanta seattle and washington are going for all head coaching candidates who are the candidates you might ask if you're sitting at home listening i'll tell you mike vrabel bill belichick atlanta is the only remaining team to show interest there of course you got dan quinn raheem morris who we'll talk about later today mike mcdonald uh Ajiro evero ben johnson steve wilkes mike kafka who's oc for the giants now the rumor is that belichick and atlanta you know could be uh you know pairing up here but maybe the fight is over you know how much power he might want and uh just as an aside bump that remains you want to talk about fascinating one of the more fascinating storylines to me of the head coaching search I think that Bill Belichick unequivocally one of the greatest coaches in NFL history not one of the first candidates hired onto these head coaching jobs don't surprise me neither the reason why it doesn't surprise me is that 
a Bill Belichick is going to want a bit more than most of these guys. Dan Quinn's been a head coach before, but it's been a while D.C. Raheem Moore's the same situation. All these other guys are kind of waiting for an opportunity, and they're like, look, I'll take whatever I can get at this point. A guy like Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick, they're going to want to control. The Chargers were willing to give up mm-hmm. um, whatever Jim Harbaugh wanted. That's why he's there. The only other organization I feel like is going to move like that is the Atlanta Falcons. Here's another thing. How old is Bill Belichick? Uh, Ninety-four. Something like that. How much longer is he really going to coach? Uh, you know, five years. You would love for a guy to play out a couple of contracts in the perfect world, right? We know that coaches, um, they're 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 in and they're out, right? It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. He had what eight openings this year, I believe, eight mm-hmm. six eight openings this year, and they're all being filled. How long is Bill Belichick really going to be there? And is there some type of like um, advancement plan, right? Are you the head coach and you move up to GM? Like, what what are the goals? Bill Belichick is at a point of his life where he's done everything, he's checked every box. What is next for him? And you look at all the other organizations out there; they're not willing to give up some of the things that I think that Bill Belichick will want. Um, I want to go back to the Chargers real quick. There's mm-hmm. something that I wanted to point out; I didn't get a chance to point out. Um, when you look at the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh, right? Herbert has 22 one-possession losses. He's only been in the league four, four years. 22 one-possession losses, which means what? They don't know how to win. What does Jim Harbaugh do? All he does is win, win, win. When he had Kaepernick, I'm just going off for three years because one year he played like half a season, right? 2012, he had one one-possession loss. 13-2 in 20, uh, 2014-3. That's six total. Now, one-possession wins, all right? You got two, four, and five. So just looking at that alone, you look at the quarterback, you look at the situation with the Chargers, you look at the power. The Chargers say, look, we'll give up the power. You got a track record of winning. Mm-hmm. We got you a quarterback. You like to construct these rosters. You're going to have to do that in 2025 because you got Eckler who's a free agent this year. You got Khalil Mack next year. He's averaging 23 million a year. He's 32. Keenan Allen next year. He's averaging 20 million a year. He's 31. Then you got Mike Williams at 29. He's averaging 20 million a year. So everything that Harbaugh is good at, he has an opportunity to do with the Chargers. With Bill Belichick, we don't know what's going on. Because Harbaugh, excuse me, Belichick getting out there talking the way that Harbaugh does and not giving us things to speculate on, we don't know what the situation is. But what I do know is that it's Atlanta or nothing. No other organization is going to give up the power that I think Bill Belichick wants. Which also leaves a lot of potential candidates for Seattle. Now, uh, we know that um, they weren't able to request an interview with Mike McDonald, who's kind of a fan and analyst favorite for this role. Um but Seattle might be one of just two options available for him or even Ben Johnson uh, once the Ravens or Lions playoff road actually concludes, which is great because Tom Palacero told Brock and Salk the other day the Hawks haven't narrowed on in on anyone. I mean, I would say it is truly open at this point. Um, you know, John Schneider's waited 14 years to run a coaching search himself. He's, you know, always prepared to be able to move forward here. And I think that they kind of really value within the organization, the opportunity to get a lot of different perspectives. I mean, Pete Carroll's, you know, a, an all time great coach and he won a Super Bowl. He's won, you know, obviously at the college level as well. Consistently, the Seahawks were one of the best teams in the league. Um, and, and you heard that, you know, from Schneider at the press conference talking about how they got a clear directive from ownership to keep that 
positive culture and the things that that Pete has built. Now, uh, John Schneider, during his press conference bump, talked about just how quickly this process moves and that, um, you know, everything about it is just, you know, faster than it was 14 years ago. And so a lot about this is new. That being said, this whole thing's kind of fallen into place for me like it is when you're like uh, running late to get ready for something and then your friend texts and goes, ah, you know what, I need like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you're like, take your time. Like there are some unexpected hires. I didn't, like you said, expect Dave Canales to go go in uh, and get hired by Carolina. I thought maybe they'd be competing for someone like Ben Johnson or, or even Mike Kafka because they'd want an OC. Uh, an OC. Um, and, you know, those are maybe some guys Seattle would have interest in. Instead, what's happening is that Seattle still has its pick of some really great candidates because of how the dominoes have fallen for some other teams. Yeah, they get to sit back and honestly just wait because however the cookie crumbles, they are going to be left with a quality candidate. Um, there are some good names out here. We all, we're all assuming that Atlanta's going to go hard for Bill Belichick. Let's just assume that he's there, right? You got the Washington Commanders who are left. And then um, after that, who is it? It's just those three, right? Left for without head coaches. Uh-huh. Those three. So you only got three jobs open. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine names that are on this list. If the Hawks are going to take their time, this tells me a couple of things. The guy that they want is still in the playoffs right now. Two, they're saying, look, let the league make the decision for us. We like four or five of these guys, and there's no reason to rush this thing. Let's keep going through the interview process. The guy that we want is playing this weekend. If somebody sweeps us off our feet during the interview process before we get to uh, interview Mike McDonald live, because that's who I think they're going after, Mike McDonald live, then we're going to be fine. Either way, they know enough about these guys to think that they're going to come in with the right attitude. They're going to come in and support the culture, and they know football. So sometimes being patient is the key. And um, that's what I think the Hawks are doing right now. I think Belichick has a big um, influence on that. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh. But like you mentioned, lots of quality names out Mm -hmm. there. We'll see what they do. From the Mac and Jack's text line, 360 says, why Seattle hasn't hired a head coach is we're one of the worst jobs available. One pick in the top 77 of the draft, a weak quarterback, O-line, D-line, linebackers, uh, weak running backs. I don't know about that. Uh, GM taking player and coaching staff control, blah, 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 blah. Look. Um, Seattle, I I think that the Chargers was the most desirable landing spot for anyone because they have a quarterback and it's the most important thing that you could possibly have. Uh, I think Seattle has some stability. Now you're questioning like, you know, hey, down the road, is the team going to be sold? That doesn't mean the team's relocating. It doesn't mean, you know what I mean? The team isn't going anywhere. You have a great built-in fan base that's incredibly loyal. You have, um, you know, great facilities. Uh, You have a a really great supportive GM. um, And you have a lot of good young pieces. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. I don't know, and, I, and I've never been an NFL offensive or defensive coordinator, which will surprise a lot of you, but I don't know how many coordinators in the NFL look at one of 32 jobs available that they've been working their entire lives for and think, not good enough for me. Uh, nah, they're not passing up. No opportunity. That's why Dave Canal is a, what, first-year offensive coordinator, first-year head coach is going to yes. a horrible situation. D'Amico Ryan's last year. Exactly. You take opportunities. There's only 32 jobs of being a National Football League head coach you have to take them. And I think that the Hawks understand that. They look at what's left when you look at Atlanta and Washington and say, come on, these dudes got to be fighting to get to Seattle. Mm-hmm. You can't go to Atlanta. There's some young pieces there as well in Atlanta, yes. right? Um, there are some no young pieces. Exactly, no quarterback. Some young pieces in Washington is Howell going to be the guy. Remember when, no when when Sam Howell was the dude yes. and they're gassing well, him up? They were trying to pitch him as the dude the to cover guy. up some some big questions. That he was that playing some good ball at the same time, too. He was. But then, you know, things start to happen. So, uh, no, I, I think the, the Hawks 
are the, the last remaining. The lights are about to come on in the club, and the baddest man or female is sitting in the corner just waiting, saying, look, all the other baddies are gone. Yeah. It's just me right now. Choose up. Much love for including a female candidate to, in there. I appreciate to. it. But I think that, too, another thing to consider, and I, I see this a lot when I hear people talk about, like, well, would a player want to do this? And I can't stress it enough. Uh, I am not a competitive person at all. I'm incredibly lazy. Uh, and You're I'm, not and lazy. I'm more often than not take the easy route. But I've worked with a ton of former athletes. Most of my colleagues are former athletes. Athletes, coaches, people who reach this level of competition are not normal people. I can't stress that enough. They're insane. Bump is insane. <laughs> like he joined a wiffle ball league of former pros and they like truly compete like it's the Olympics. There is a level of competition. <laughs> and I think that uh, coordinators and coaches uh, are just like that. Like I think that for a coach, you look at Seattle and you go, God, history of winning, history of success, an organization that's, that's won a Super Bowl. They've gotten you know, to the mountaintop and they're looking to get back. And, oh, man, you've got, like, some young defensive pieces that could be intriguing. There's a chance to do something special here. And I think that's what any coordinator is going to see. Yeah, I think um, it goes Seattle, Atlanta, Washington. Um, Seattle, you have a quarterback for the next couple of years at least. You have young talent at the skill position spots on offense. On defense, you have some spots as well. Atlanta brings the same thing. Their defense was pretty good this year. You got uh, a running back. You have a tight end. You have a number one receiver. When you look at the commanders, it's almost like you almost forget about uh, McLaurin over there too, man. Mm -hmm. It's like this dude is a top 10 receiver in the league. You forget about him. They got a good running game too. They got a Robinson over there as well. But for all the things that you mentioned – uh, because of the the culture, the, the tradition, mm-hmm. the uh, the support that you're going to get, and the quarterback, how crazy is it that Geno might be the deciding factor when it comes to guys holding out? Because they know to win in this league, you got to have a guy to um to run your system, and you got that in Geno. Whether he's here short term or long term, you have a quarterback and you have talent. That's why Seattle's more attractive than U-12s. You guys make it all worth it, too, on Sundays. Uh, someone said, Stacy and Bump, if Jody sells the team, the new owner will want a new GM. No one wants to work for a lame duck GM and owner. Not if you're winning. Right. Nothing happens if you're winning. Right. It's the most important thing you can do at any level of professional sports, obviously. If you're winning, you're untouchable. Mm-hmm. We have seen criminals <laughs> be untouchable <laughs> if they win no one is touching you if you're winning and that's going to be the goal no matter what for all of these teams but we know that's the goal for john schneider and we know that's going to be the goal for this new head coach uh we are going to talk about some ap nfl award finalists that were just announced this morning coming up in 15 minutes right now let's get to headline rewrites Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Devin Weatherspoon was named a finalist for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. What's the real headline? So was Jalen Carter, which continues to keep that debate alive. Yeah, and I love it. You know what this means? It what? means that you're in a win-win situation. You could have won Jalen Carter and been fine. Devin Weatherspoon, you are fine. You look at the snaps, though. Spoon, 883 uh, snaps at 74%. You got Carter with 563, 48%. Obviously, defensive line, a bit more rotation going on there. Uh, Spoon has three sacks. Jalen has six. Spoon has eight TFLs. Jalen has eight. 
Spoon has one interception for a touchdown. Obviously, big man got none. Spoon has one forced fumble. Carter has two. Spoon doesn't have any fumble recoveries. Carter has one with a touchdown. So you look at him and you go, all right, just cover up the names and the positions. And you're looking at just the stat sheet. You're going, I go either one of these guys. Both mm-hmm. of these guys are producing. And then when you look at them, when it comes to their position, Spoon, one of the best in the game. Jaden Carter, a lot of potential. From the interior defensive line, you get six sacks. That would have been great on this team this year. I believe Jay Reed had seven from inside. Mm-hmm. It's a wash man. You go either way with these two, you're good to go. But I hope Spoon does get Defensive Player of the Year for the rookies so we can pump our chest out a little more. I do as well. Either way, Seahawks have back-to-back rookie candidates, obviously, for Defensive Rookie of the Year with Reek Wolin last year losing out to Sauce Gardner. Uh, Devin Witherspoon this year, we'll see whether or not he's able to win that one. I'll ask you this question, though, Bump, because I don't know whether or not Devin's going to win. Here's the thing with Devin Witherspoon. He is someone who doesn't have the more traditional stats that people are going to look at for success. Rick Wollin last year was tied for first in the league in interceptions. Mm-hmm. People are going to think you have a lot of interceptions. You must be a good cornerback. Instead, what Devin's got is like great coverage grades and a ton of physicality. It's almost like you had to watch his game to realize how elite he is. The reason why Sauce Garner is an all pro and pro bowler without the stats is just supports what you just said. These guys look at their technique, the way they recognize routes, they're in position, the plays that they make. You don't necessarily have to make a play on the mm-hmm. ball to make a play. And I think uh, that's what they look at with Sauce. That's what you look at with Devin Witherspoon. But he's making plays as well. He's like top five or six in the league when it comes to passes defended as well. So, uh, so yeah, man, a couple more picks, man. The dude might have been an all-pro. Headline rewrites. Panthers are expected to hire former Seahawks quarterback coach and Bucks OC David Canales as their next head coach. What's the real headline? Now I don't want to be this person, but so you're telling me the Seahawks had a chance to make Canales their offensive coordinator at one point? Mm. And they didn't? Nah, they didn't. Why? Uh, you tell me. What do you think? I don't know. I think that uh I think that it is telling. Um, of a problem that we've all wondered is there with like loyalty to the wrong guys or whatever. If the only coach from the Carroll coaching tree uh, to be hired out is someone who ended up, you know, leaving your organization for greener pastures. Yeah. Um, Canales taught an old dog new tricks in Gino in 2022. Got him to the Pro Bowl. Then you got a dog, you know, off the streets. He ain't super old yet, but he's been around a little bit in Baker Mayfield, and you help him put together his best season as a pro. So naturally, they're looking at Dave Canales and saying, all right, you got a project here. Mm -hmm. You, You started with some older heads and got them to do some things. Now you're dealing with a guy who's only been in the league one season. You could just throw away that last year and start all over. Let's see if Dave Canales can be the new quarterback whisperer in Carolina. Headline rewrites. Kraken beat Blackhawks 62 last night and snapped their four-game losing streak. What's the real headline? Maybe Grubauer stays on the bench. How about that? Some insane stuff from Joey Decord. So Phil Grubauer was back from the IR yesterday, but it was Decord who got the start. Uh, Eventually, you're going to need to split time, though. His workload just is not sustainable over the course of the rest of the season. But bump. It is fascinating to see the production he's been able to have in Grubauer's absence. Yeah, workload has been crazy. What uh, Jeff Bake over there at Seattle Times says, what, 89% workload. You can't you can't live like that. Good luck to your back, your knees, and everything in between. We'll pray for you. 
Um, 17 starts out of 19. They won 6-2 the other night. A 92% save percentage, man. 2.32 goals against per game. That's like fourth in the league. You got to ride the hot hand or the hot stick or the hot whatever you call it when when you're talking hockey. Hot glove. (laughs) But you have to. But you also got to take care of them. You also got to make sure that body is healthy because we all know if you have goal titting in the NHL, you give yourself an opportunity um, to court one of the hottest in the game right now. It is so interesting that obviously when Grubauer was signed, it was a big signing to kick off the Kraken franchise. And experts, NHL experts that we talked to, Bump, and had on the show were like, I think this is going to be one of the uh, best defensive teams in hockey. This is going to ha- be a team with great goaltending. This is going to be someone uh, who's being nominated, you know, for awards. And so it's, I don't want to say Grubauer fooled people, but rather that Grubauer not being one of the best in hockey came as a surprise to a lot of experts. And if you're someone who had doubts, congratulations. But we talked with so many people in the industry, national experts, and one person, Greg Wyshynski, had any doubts. So consider that. Um, Now, this isn't to say that Grubauer can't come in here and still be really useful, like you said, Bump, especially as someone to help offset that workload. I think maybe I'm looking at the silver lining of, yeah, Grubauer isn't exactly who you thought he'd be, but neither is Decord, and that's in a really good way. It's nice to have a little one-two combo back there. You know, you talk about all the experts. I always go back to Germany last November with that Mm -hmm. German spitting in my beer, yelling at me, telling me how great Grubauer is. Ride or die. Now I think about him and say, all right, how are you feeling, man? Hang in there, hanging with the Kraken, because, look, there's going to be time for him to shine. There's going to be times. Hey, this is, It's inevitable. Guys get hurt. They get banged up. It is what it is. Grubauer's going to come in. He's going to be fresh. My man's getting an 89% workload. We're talking about decor. So that means he gets healthy. And um, it's always crazy to see someone come off the bench because they've had time to see the game differently, right? To to break things down, to look at themselves and work on their game. So we'll see, man. Let's let's have uh, let's two, have two hot tendies, apparently. 425 says that's what we do. Hot uh, Before, about a minute uh, 30 before we hit break, quick Uh, Jumping back one topic to some coaching hires, someone texted in uh, of the remaining three teams that are going to be looking for coaches, Seattle, Atlanta, Washington. They said, worth noting that Washington's going to have a number two pick and they can get their quarterback. Does that make it a more desirable landing spot than Seattle? The reason why I say it doesn't because there's a lot more to work on in Washington other than the quarterback. You need a quarterback. Um, they make things go, but you need an O-line, you need a D-line, uh, you need receivers, you need linebackers. I just look at Seattle and say, yeah, there's work to do, but there's less work to do when you look at the Washington Commanders. And it's a really good point because what does it typically mean outside of, obviously, Chicago this year, whose natural pick is number nine, but they have that from trade. What does it mean when you're pick number one, two, three, four? You had a bad team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a lot of holes to fill, yeah. and whoever you get at that spot isn't going to solve all of them. And that division, that <laughs> NFC East, man. No joke. I mean, NFC I Uh, You're listening to Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The AP unveiled its nominees for NFL MVP, rookie, defensive rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, and more. We'll tell you who's nominated next. You're listening to Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. We have finalists for NFL MVP as well as several other awards here. Bump announced by the AP this morning. So let's get to it. I'm going to start with the most fun, dare I say most important award, MVP. Your nominees, mm. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to win. Dak Prescott <laughs> and Brock Purdy. What do you make of the uh, nominees? Excuse me, the finalists. I make uh 
I'll make a smiley face at you saying he's not going to win. Because <laughs> yeah, we sorry. all know. We running back. It's a quarterback Christian award. McCaffrey, he ain't, he ain't touching that, man. You've had a great season. We appreciate you. Um, been fun watching this year, but no, nah, you're, you're done. You're done. Uh, <laughs> after that, let's go process of elimination, okay. right? And I think after that, you have to go with Brock Purdy. Now, I'm not knocking Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. To be a good NFL quarterback, you have to, one, have talent, get lucky, and understand a system. Now, getting lucky means you're getting drafted to a spot that has a great OC. Uh, you connect with the quarterback coach, good weapons around you. Your offensive line is solid. You got a running back you can hand the ball off to. And if you're really lucky, you got a defense to match that up with. You look at Brock Purdy. That's exactly the situation that he fell into. Now, physically, he is probably the least talented on this list when we talk about the MVP finalist. But he runs the heck out of that system. Mm -hmm. And I think that he should not be knocked for it. He should be praised for it because he's getting the most out of his body and his situation. But when it's time to win a ball game, um, I'm not looking at Brock Purdy and saying, if you just got average receivers on the outside and okay offensive line, okay run game, you're still going to make that happen. That's why I knock him out. And then after that, I go Dak Prescott. I, I know it's a regular season award, I mean, but there's no way you can get that man the MVP after what we saw in the playoffs. 36 touchdowns to just care. nine interceptions. He had a completion mm. percentage just shy of 70%. Good, uh, I mean, 4,500 yards this season. Baller. He was number two in the league uh, behind Tua Tungavailoa. I'm sure Dolphins fans not happy. Excuse me, number three. I'm sure Dolphins fans not happy to see Tua and Jared snubbed here. If they give Dak the, the, the award, Stacey. I know, but what if they do? If they give them the award, you know what? If they do give him the award, then I, I'd probably have more respect for this whole MVP process. Yeah. Because there's no denying Dak had an awesome season, statistically better than anyone else that's on this list right here, uh, but just couldn't win the big one. But, uh, yeah, naturally, I, I think Dak is gone, and that just leaves Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and it's Lamar, clearly. Why Lamar over Josh did I say Josh Jackson? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. If I jacked you up, Josh, my bad, dog. Um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, I think he's MVP because um, of the situation that he's in. You got a new offensive coordinator, a new offense. You've improved your game in the in the spot where everybody was doubting you when it comes to throwing the football from the pocket. All you've done is win in the, in the style. And I think people people have to take that into consideration, too. It's the 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 way he went about his business, right? The style that he puts on the game, uh, the clutch moments, man, the third and shorts, the fourth and ones that he's created. If you look at the moments that he had during the season, um, I think you give him the nod. If you look at just the numbers, McCaffrey had better numbers. Dak had better numbers. Allen had better numbers. Um, uh, Brock, I believe, had, had better passing numbers as well. But Lamar is the true definition of most viable player because not only does he do it with his arms, he does it with his legs too. Look at Josh Allen. You can say the same thing. That's kind of why I narrowed down those two and say Josh Allen he will turn the football over That's no doubt about it he will turn it over but when you account for 44 day touchdowns I mean Come goodness on. gracious that man deserves some love offensive player of the year nominees Tyreek Hill Lamar Jackson they always do this as like a like a maybe an MVP nominee quarterback who didn't get it okay Tyreek Hill <laughs> Lamar Jackson CD Lamb mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey Dak Prescott this is harder than the MVP to me. 
because Offensive Player of the Year, Tyreek Hill, if he does not get hurt, he goes over 2,000 yards, and he he breaks the the record for receiving yards in a season. I'm just going to leave Lamar out of this. He's going to win the MVP. C.D. Lamb led the league when it comes to receptions. I didn't realize how much this man was cooking until later on in the season I started looking at his numbers. Christian McCaffrey does everything. I want to say he even has a passing touchdown this year, right? He can run the rock. You line up in the slide. You motion him out the backfield. He's a matchup nightmare. And then you have Dak Prescott, a guy who put together a heck of a season. If they're doing this right, if we're just going now offensive, I think offensive is different than MVP, obviously. If we're just going offensive, this is the one that Dak Prescott wins because he had the more impressive season when it comes to yards and touchdowns over any any of these other quarterbacks. But me personally, me personally, um, I still look at Tyreek Hill and say the things that he can do in an offense is great. I don't think he's going to get it. I think this goes to Dak Prescott. Yeah, I'm going to – it's Tyreek Hill – uh, with uh, 1,799 yards, obviously short of his personal goal of 2,000, although I did not realize that CeeDee Lamb was so close to him. Yeah. CeeDee Lamb is 50 yards shy of tying him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he snuck up. The only thing I like about Tyreek over CD is that um, the way he's used in that offense. I just look at the Miami Dolphins offense, the motions, the, the, the tight formations and explode to wide. I think just creatively – um, they did a lot more with Tyreek, but, I mean, numbers don't lie. CD was balling. Defensive Player of the Year nominees, Deron Bland, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, who missed a good chunk of the season, mm-hmm. Micah Parsons, TJ Watt. Uh, interesting nominees for this one. Interesting nominees. I think it has to go to Miles Garrett, though. I mean, and again, so this is where the lines are blurred a little bit, right? Because then I start to look at, okay, what the team did. And I go, no one expected the Cleveland Browns to be what they've been. Defensively, we expected them to be good. But what helped that offense? What helped Joe Flacco? What helped P.J. Walker? What helped Deshaun Watson? Who else am I missing? Someone else started for that team. Who? What helped all uh, four of those Dorian quarterbacks? Robinson. There you go, DTR. Yeah. What helped him was that defense and knowing that you can nickel and dime, you can run the football because that defense is going to hold you down. And Miles Garrett is just a problem to mess with. I like Micah Parsons as well. I would go number one, Miles Garrett, number two, Micah Parsons. Uh, I like coach of the year as a category. I mean, yes, obviously, but there's some really good candidates this year. Coach of the year, Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh. Who's both of whom, you know, playing this weekend. D'Amico Ryans, yeah, that was a heck of a turnaround. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan also playing this weekend. Kevin Stefanski overcame those four starting quarterbacks. Two of these guys are are eliminated off top. Oh, who? John Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan. Why? They do it every single year. Just saying, just saying nothing uh, okay. new. Okay, so Kyle it's like, Sh- what did you overcome? Yeah, it's like, Kyle Shanahan, you've had this roster for a while now. You're where you're supposed to be. Your third year in the NFC Championship game, I respect it, but I'm also like, all right, man, you're good. Look at John Harbaugh. I look at that defense, the personnel over there, the moves that they made on offense to get uh, Lamar Jackson some um, some weapons. But we expect the Baltimore Ravens to be contenders every year. Mm-hmm. It comes down to Dan Campbell, D'Amico Ryans, and Kevin Stefanski. And now I'm going to just eliminate Kevin Stefanski because we know that he was working with one of the best defense coming into the game. They got their quarterback, just wasn't able to stay healthy. And then you lose Nick Chubb. Um, I, I guess I kind of made an argument for him to be in the mix, but I'm getting him out of there. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to Miko and Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell has helped this team do something that hasn't happened since 1991. They've made it to the conference championship game 
more times than the Dallas Cowboys have done it in the last 29 years. Ooh. One time. All right, 1991 <laughs> was the last time they made it to a conference championship. You look at Dan Campbell and taking over a team that was once 0-16, only wins a couple of games his first year there, and these guys stay with them, they stay the course, and now they are here fighting to get into a Super Bowl. D'Amico Ryan's the way he's winning with a rookie quarterback has been impressive. You got Will Anderson over there now who's going to be an alternate. Now he's in the Pro Bowl because uh, I think Max Crosby isn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. He's done a great job too. I was yelling for D'Amico not to take that job. But when you do something that hasn't been done in 30 years for a franchise, you have to go with Dan Campbell. That's my guy. I'm going to get back to the other four awards when we get to NFL headlines. We don't have time to do it right now. But obviously a Seahawk nominated that in the Defensive Rookie of the Year category. Offensive Rookie of the Year has two prime candidates and I can't make up my mind between them comeback player of the year with a clear winner but some really cool stories uh and obviously we'll get back to the conversation with uh with coach of the year and kind of look at the four teams remaining again we're going to get back to that in NFL headlines a bit later in the show what are we in store for with a Jim Harbaugh return to the NFL that's next you're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Well, the Chargers have a new coach, and I know they're in the AFC West and not the NFC West, but there could still be effects felt in Seattle. More importantly, though, in the rest of the NFL, what are we in store for with a Jim Harbaugh return to the league, Bump? Man, um, one, we are in store for um we're gonna get we're gonna get some interesting interviews. We're going to get some Man. interesting um, handshakes after the game from coaches. Uh-huh. We're going to get lots of khakis, lots of khakis, um, some lots weird interactions with players on the sideline. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about football, we're going to get a guy who's won everywhere he, he went. Go to San Diego, winning percentage goes up. He goes to Stanford, winning percentage goes up. You go to the 49ers, you get to the Super Bowl, you lose to your brother. You go to Michigan, for six years it wasn't the greatest. Interviews with Minnesota a couple years back, decides to come back, but then you go to the college football playoffs with three years in a row, Mm -hmm. and you win a national championship. What you're going to get is a guy who knows how to win. And the reason why he went to the Los Angeles Chargers is because you have – Justin Herbert over there. His first four seasons in the league. He has the most passing yards by any quarterback. That's including Pat Mahomes. Love Pat Mahomes, but there's one thing that Herbert has done more or better. That's first four years. Just throwing that thing all across the yard. Now let's talk about the quarterbacks that he's dealt with. You got Andrew Luck over there with Stanford. I didn't realize my man had 37 touchdowns this last year there. Goodness gracious. You got Colin Kaepernick who was more of your mobile type quarterback and then you have J.J. McCarthy. Stacy, I look at these three quarterbacks and then I look at Justin Herbert and I go, he can throw it like luck. He can't run it like Kaepernick but he can run a little bit and he has the athleticism of a J.J. McCarthy. That's the thing you keep hearing and seeing about J.J. McCarthy is that he's more athletic than um, what people give him credit yeah, to. Yeah, drawn well, lots of Josh Allen. Exactly. So now let's just compare Justin Herbert to Colin Kaepernick because that's the last time we saw um, Harbaugh in this league. Um, Kaepernick played in 69 games. What about take away like 14 of them things because mm-hmm. um, um, our guy Jim wasn't there. Is it Jim? Yes, yeah, Jim, right? I kept mm-hmm. hitting him and his brother Jack. Up. I know. I always do. All right. Jim and John. Um, 
Herbert has played in 62 games. He's thrown for 17,000 yards, capped through for 12,000. Um, he's averaging 277 yards per game, capped 177. He's got 114 pass touchdowns, capped 72. And then obviously the big disparity is going to be in the rushing. Um, cap rushed for 2,300 yards, and you got Herbert with 9-11. But he does have a 4.1 average and 11 touchdowns. So I just look at Justin Herbert, and I go, all right, how is Harbaugh going to make him a better player? I mentioned earlier about winning. He's lost 27 one-possession games. Harbaugh doesn't do that. He wins more than he loses. Why? Because we feel like his quarterbacks are more prepared. Also, what Harbaugh is going to do is get Herbert under center. And what that does, it allows you to be more influential when it comes to play-action games. All right, You get the linebacker's eyes in the backfield. When you are play, running play-action off a shotgun, you're standing in a shotgun, you got your running back to the left, the right of you, or in a pistol right behind you. Everything is five, six yards. You're you're looking at at the uh, at the the D line linebackers. You can influence them, but it's just not the same. Now you turn your back. You're under center. You throw the ball out there. You hide it. You can hide the football a bit more when you're under center. So I think that's something that he's going to get better at. And imagine Justin Herbert, the mobile quarterback with the arm talent that he has, adding something to his game. That's going to be impressive. The question is, who's going to be there for him to throw the rock to? Right. They have, again, one of the older wide receiver cores in all of football. Now, they have draft capital where they can, you know, figure it out and they can bring in new guys. Obviously, you're going to hit free agency with some money to spend, but you have a lot of holes to fill with this Chargers team. There's a lot of young talent that's really intriguing. There's also a lot of old talent that you need to figure out whether you could make the most of them and what they have left or move on. It could right. look like a very different Chargers team mm-hmm. in 2024 in addition to their head coach. I'm so intrigued. I think this is going to be the Aaron Rodgers to the Jets treatment all offseason where all of a sudden it's going to be like, here's the story from Chargers training camp, something like not a lot of people, you know, outside of L.A. cared about before. Here's, you know, here's week one. Oh, my God. If Baltimore wins the Super Bowl, I hope that they schedule uh, Chargers uh, and Ravens week one because I think they're going to play each other. So, I mean, it's it's going to get that same kind of spotlight treatment that that Rodgers to the Jets did because it's the biggest story in football right now and the one that so many people are intrigued by. You have a young quarterback who mm-hmm. has, like, MVP potential that's getting one of the best coaches. I mean, this could go one of two ways to me. Harbaugh succeeds and the AFC becomes even more of a monster and a gauntlet to get through, or it is a circus. yeah it has one of two ways it has potential for a lot and you look at the afc west you got a new head coach and um well not a new head coach but first time in the division sean payton last year took over the broncos right you have andy Reid and pat mahomes over there with the kansas city chiefs antonio pierce has found something with the las vegas raiders now you have um our guy jim with the Los Angeles Chargers, man. The AFC West is looking crazy right now, and um, it all starts with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. My question for the Los Angeles Chargers is, who's going to be your D coordinator? How's that defense going to mm-hmm. look? Because you look at that defense, and they struggle. They hired a defensive-type guy um, to be the head over there, and he just couldn't get it right, couldn't figure it out. So I mentioned earlier, Khalil Mack is going to be on the market after next season. He's 32 years old. What do you do there? What's your identity going to be on defense? On offense, you got the you blueprint. Know. He's done this for years, over a decade. You know exactly what's going to go down. It's all about building this roster and building this defensive staff and roster. That's going to be the key right there because, yes, we've come to the conclusion that you can score a lot of points and outscore teams in the NFL now. But once you get down to the final eight, 
the Final Four. You're going to have to get some stops and play some good defense. How's that going to work out? How many division titles are you going to get too? You want the number one seed? You want home field advantage? You got to go through the good Kansas luck. City Chiefs. So I respect Jim for that, though. He ain't running from nobody. He goes, you know what? You know, forget the NFC. I'm going to the AFC West. And also, my brother beat me in the Super Bowl. Now I'm going to go through him to get to the Super Bowl. I appreciate that about, about Harbaugh, man. He ain't scared of nothing. But I think... The offense will be fine. It's going to be about that defense. Uh, Martin from the 509 gave us a trick for remembering Jim and John. Jim, Michigan, mm-hmm. and then John, John Ravons. Ravons. <laughs> I'll take it. Which is now going to be the Baltimore Ravons. Mm, Baltimore Ravons. I the, like that. The Ravons. John. I like it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be... I, I don't know. I'll be tuning into Chargers games that I wasn't interested in watching before, which normally you do for a player to see his impact on the field. Mm-hmm. But obviously we know that Jim Harbaugh is going to have his tentacles kind of connected to so many things, yeah. including personnel that, yeah, it's going to be fully his team. Also interesting. You mentioned the defense having maybe the best defense in college football at Michigan. But guess what? You don't get to just recruit players and have <laughs> have unlimited talent come to you. It's almost it's almost easier now, though. Because are we going to talk about this? Are we talking about college football? Today? We will later today, and coming up movement? at noon. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So I'll I'll save that. Okay, then. I'll save that. You got a good. You got a hot take coming our way. Uh, I'm hot. It's you know it's a little some some. I will say the initial take that's kicking off that conversation at noon is a spicy college football take. I really liked it. Curtis found that one for us. All right, you're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We're going to talk about a candidate who has a second interview with the Seattle Seahawks. Plus, what's always been working out so well for Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan? That's next.